Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Good morning. How are we doing today, Summit Church? It's great to see you. I am so glad that you're here today. Thank you for worshiping with us. My name is Mel Massengale. I'm one of the pastors here at Summit. And I'm so glad that you are here today. And I also wanna welcome all of you that are watching online, no matter where you may be or how you may be joining us. We're so grateful that you have taken time out of your day to make the Summit a part of your day. We pray that God blesses you as you worship with us. And uh, for those of you who haven't come back yet, you're not quite ready, that's okay. Thank you so much for being with us online. And for those of you in the room, uh, we're so glad that you are here. I wanna wish all of you a happy Father's Day. I really do appreciate you uh, being here today. And, uh, and joining us, and I hope you honor your dad today. Bless him somehow. Um, speaking of dads, if you are watching online or you're here in the room and you are a father, um, then we wanna give you an opportunity for some stuff, for some free stuff. In every service this weekend, we've been giving away some gift cards to dads, and this is the thing, dads, you don't, if you win, you don't have to share it with your kids. You don't have to give them anything, okay? You have permission to use it selfishly on yourself. So if you're interested in one of the gift cards, simply text the word Summit Dads, Summit, D-A-D-S, to the number 94,000. So whether you're here in the room or watching online, you can be a part of this. So text Summit Dads to 94,000 to register for one of our gift cards for today. But again, I just wanna say happy Father's Day to all of the dads in the room, all of the dads watching online. We appreciate you joining us today. Uh, I wanna remind you again of this as well. At the end of our worship experience today, uh, I will dismiss, and I need you guys in the room to keep your seats for just a moment, stay in your seats, and then we will dismiss row by row, starting in the back of the room, working our way forward, and in the balcony, we've got a system as well. And so uh, sit tight for just a moment. After we dismiss, we'll begin giving instructions on how we're exiting the building to maintain some spacing. So, uh, so be patient with us in that. Last thing I'll tell you before we jump into our message is I announced uh, last weekend that we're partnering with RIP Medical Debt to pay off uh, almost $1.2 million worth of medical debt for people in need in Southwestern Pennsylvania. And if you are interested in being a part of that, the simplest thing for you to do is to visit our website, summitpa.church, hit the give button, and then there's gonna be an option there for RIP medical debt. So we'd love for you to be a part of that. As of right now, we're just under 40% of, to our goal and $1 will pay off about $100 of medical debt for someone in need. And so, uh, so a gift of $10 can still go a long way to bless someone or helping someone. So don't think, well, I can't give $1,000. That's okay. You can play a part in helping bless someone who's in a lot of need right now. So again, $1.2 million worth of medical debt in 14 counties throughout Southwestern Pennsylvania. And we get to be a part of that. So be a part, jump on, and uh, let's see what God will do when we bless some people without expecting anything in return. So thank you guys for being a part of that. Today we are um, continuing a series that we started last week called Welcome Home. And the framework for the series is that every home has a culture. Every home has a feel. Every home has uh, house rules to it. Uh, there's, there's a way that you think and process in every home in, the, in your culture. And so even the house of God has a culture. Even the house of God has some things that help us function the way we're supposed to function. And so we've just kind of looked at what does that look like for us? What does that look like for the house of God? And last week, uh, we talked about the, the idea that in the house of God, we find family. 
And we're, we've got family of birth and family of choice. And family of choice are the people that we have common affection and common, uh, common affections and common uh, experiences. So we love the same thing and we do things together. Even though we're not literal blood family, there are things that unite us together. And in spite of our differences, we choose to love each other anyway. Uh, and that's what family does. That's what the family in the house of God should do. We love each other in spite of our differences because the blood of Christ unites us. So we talked through that last week that, that we discover family in the house of God. And this week we've got another, another um, idea that we're gonna be walking through, but it all comes back to Genesis chapter 28 uh, in Genesis chapter 28, there was a guy named Jacob, and Jacob, uh, he was uh, part of the kind of triumvirate of, uh, of, of kind of spiritual fathers for the Jewish nation. You have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, Jacob's father was Isaac. His grandfather was Abraham, these giants of the faith, and Jacob was not a great guy. Jacob was a con man. Jacob, uh, he ripped off his father. He ripped off his brother and his brother actually wanted to kill him. And so he's on the run. He's left home. And in Genesis 28, he, he's in the wilderness by himself. He lays his head on this rock to sleep. And then the night he gets this crazy dream. And in the dream, he sees this ladder that extends into heaven. He sees these angels that are coming and going on this ladder. And he sees God standing above the ladder. And God, he just speaks to Jacob supernaturally. He gives him a new vision for his life. He, he gives him a promise. Here's what I'm gonna do with your life. And it, it shocks Jacob because he's not expecting it. He's not looking for it. Again, he's not living right. He's not walking with God. So this comes out of nowhere. And in verse 16, it says, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he'd put under his head and he set up a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of the place Bethel. And this means house of God. So he says, this is the house of God. And he goes on to say, God, if you'll bring me back, if you'll fulfill your promises and bring me back here safely, I promise I'm gonna come back here and I'm gonna worship you. And he goes on to say, God, I'll even give you 10% of everything I've got is yours. And so you knew I'm a pastor, I'm gonna tie giving into the somehow, right? And so God, he makes this promise to God. And it's one of the first situations we see in the Old Testament where someone promises a tithe to God. And so he makes all these big promises and he's had this experience. But what we see is we're gonna move into Genesis 35 in just a moment. And sometimes when you're reading through the Bible, it's hard, we lose track of chronology, what happens where. And so from Genesis 28, when he has this experience with God, he's like, oh my gosh, this is incredible, to Genesis 35, it's 30 years. So by the time he actually gets back to Bethel to fulfill his promise, it's been 30 years. And in that 30 years, he has not walked the straight and narrow. He's continued to rip people off. He's continued to be a con man. He's had some good moments, but he's had lots of bad moments. And, and what we see is this experience didn't really change him. And I think we are all too similar to this. I think for us, many times what happens is, uh, <laughs> do we have staff member? Uh, do you guys need help finding a seat? Okay, that'll work. That's why you never ever come in late because pastor will call you out from stage. <laughs> so what we see is, uh, over the course of this 30 years, he's kind of doing his own thing. He's living his own life. He's, he's chasing after his own dreams. He's doing whatever he wants to do. 
And he's not really fulfilling the purposes God has for him. And we're not all too different because what happens so many times, we might come into a service like this one and we, we experience God, we get the goosebumps, we feel God's presence. We're like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. And then we'll start saying things like, God, you're so good. I'm gonna come to church every Sunday. And then the next Sunday rolls around that morning, we wake up and we get out of bed and we're like, well, I didn't mean every Sunday, God. I meant Sundays, some Sundays, right? We're gonna watch service every week. Well, I mean, I'll watch service some weekends, God. We're gonna start giving you 10%. Well, I mean, we'll get start giving you a percent. I didn't mean 10%, God. Like we make these promises to God when we have this emotional experience and then it seems to fade away. And what's happened is we didn't really have an authentic experience with God. We just experienced him in an emotional way. It, it got us hyped up, it got us excited and then it fades away. And I think what we see in Jacob is he has this experience with God and he goes, oh my gosh, this is incredible. And he starts making these promises and then he just kind of drifts off and does his own thing. There was no heart change for him. He's not transformed by the power of God. And, and what God desires for us is that we will encounter him in such a way that our hearts are shifted and changed. And so you fast forward to Genesis 35. Genesis 35, uh, he's gone on to rip off some other family members. Uh, he's actually stolen from his father-in-law and there's some other stuff going on there. And he, he gets back to Bethel finally, 30 years later. And in verse nine, it says, God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padan Aram and blessed him. So he comes from Padan Aram, he gets to Bethel. God speaks to him, he appears to him and blesses him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. And this, this is important because what he's saying is the, the Hebrew here is El Shaddai. And it means, it literally means God Almighty. So uh, he didn't say, I am a God Almighty. I am an Almighty God. He says, I am the God Almighty. There is one God, I am him, and, and I am almighty. He didn't say, I am, I'm mighty. He's saying, I am supremely mighty. There is none as mighty as me. So what he's saying is he's making this emphatic statement that there is none beside me. I am the conqueror. I am in charge. I am I'm the biggest man on the block, is what he's saying in our kind of terms. I am the toughest guy. If you go to a street fight, you want me with you because I am almighty. I am the man, is what he's saying. So I want you to take some comfort in this today. That, that we don't serve a God who is mighty. We serve the God who is almighty. That there is none beside him. That there is none near him. Nobody's in the same zip code as our God. He is almighty. And so he's, he's starting with this. He's reminding Jacob who he is. He says, I am El Shaddai. I am the almighty God. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you. So he's reaffirming the covenant that he made with Abraham and Isaac. He goes on to say, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. So he reaffirms this promise and he's given them this promise saying, you're gonna have property, your, your offspring are gonna be numerous. Nations are gonna come from you. This is a big promise. It says, then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone. He poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. And Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel. Now, does that sound vaguely familiar from Genesis chapter 28? He did the same thing. Now, there are some scholars who think that this is the same story. It's just told twice. But this is two separate stories. What's happened is Jacob, he had this moment, this experience with God, and it wasn't authentic because it wasn't heartfelt. It was just 
goosebumps. He just felt good. And this is what happens when we come to church and we walk away and we go, wow, man, Mel was really funny today. I just feel encouraged. Or man, the worship was nice and we leave and nothing has changed. There hasn't been a heart change. It's just been an emotional response. That's not long lasting. So he had this emotional response to what God did and what God said and nothing changed for the most part. Then fast forward 30 years and now he has the same moment and he's got a decision to make. Is this a real response? Am I gonna let God get a hold of my heart or is this just something I do because I'm going through the motions? What he understood was this. Again, he affirms this is the house of God. He calls it Bethel, the house of God. And so what he's saying is, this is where you meet God. And I said this to you last week, but I long for our church to be known as a place where people meet God. There's lots of things I want our church to be known for. I want our church to be known as a generous church, as a church that blesses churches in our community and serves and helps. We live with an open hand. I want our church to be known for that. But more than that, I want people to know that when they walk through the doors of this church, no matter what their background is, no matter who they are, no matter where they live, no matter what their ethnicity, they can walk in this place and feel the presence of God, experience the power of God. They can meet God here. That's my desire. Because All the other things we do are good, but if we don't help people meet God, then it's all for naught. And something powerful happens when we meet God. I've told you before that the best sermons are the ones with three points. And so today I want you to know I've crafted my masterpiece. The content really isn't very good, but I've got three points, so it's gonna be spectacular. So so bear with me today. When we meet God, three things happen. The first is this, God speaks. When we meet God, God speaks. In Genesis 35, 15, at the end of that passage we read, it says, so Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel. Now I want you to hear this. Um, Many times we think of God and we think of God giving us orders. So he's telling us what to do and we do it. And there's, uh, there's an element of that in our faith and that's just obedience, that we're obedient to God. But I want you to see the language that was used here at the end of 35. What it says several times is God spoke with Jacob. It says it three times in the last couple of verses. God spoke with Jacob. It doesn't say God spoke to Jacob. It says he spoke with Jacob. Now there's a big difference when, between me sitting down over coffee and talking with somebody. If I sat down over coffee with you and we were talking and you're telling me your story and I'm hearing about your background and then and I'm talking with you, I'm telling you some of my story. That's very different than if I talk to you. See, there are people, uh, maybe in this room, there are people watching online, there are people listening to this podcast that I'm talking to them, but I'm not speaking with them. And the difference is intimacy. The difference is reciprocity. Are we sharing with each other? And I want you to hear this. God doesn't wanna just speak to you. God wants to speak with you. God wants to be in relationship with you. The God of the universe, the God Almighty, El Shaddai, doesn't just wanna dispatch orders to you. He wants to know you. He wants to be intimate with you. He wants to hear your heart and he wants you to hear his heart. God wants to speak with you, not just to you. So when God speaks, when we meet God, he wants to speak with us, not just to us. And I hope you grasp the enormity of that. That's so big that God just doesn't wanna tell you what to do and how to do it, but God wants to know you. He wants to hear your heart and he wants you to know his heart. In Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11, what we see in Isaiah 55 is God was speaking through the prophet Isaiah to the the nation of Judah. 
And uh, this was common, and we'll see that again in a minute, another verse we're gonna read. But in Isaiah 55, 10, God is speaking through Isaiah, and he says this, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So before I finish this thought, what he's saying is, um, hey, the water, the, the rain that comes, now, sometimes we think about rain and we just think about bailing our basements out of water. Does anybody else think about that? When you think, you see it raining, you're like, please, God, don't let my basement flood, right? So sometimes that's what we think of. But what, what, what God is saying here is, hey, when the rains come, they don't just evaporate back into the sky. When the rains come, when the snow comes, it brings a benefit to the soil. What happens is uh, there are seeds and fruit that's produced because the rain comes. Every time the rain comes, there's a benefit for the ground and it produces something. Life is produced because the rains fall. And he goes on to say this, in the same way, so God is comparing his word to the rains. He says, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. So God says, I declare it, I proclaim it, I say it, and it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So what God is saying, in the same way that the rains fall and bring life, to planet earth, he says, when I speak, it brings life in you. So when we meet God and he speaks with us and he speaks to us, his words bring life. His words never ever fail to fulfill their purpose. When we speak with God, when we hear what he has to say, his words, what he speaks brings life. See, there's a creative energy that's released when God speaks. Um, and when you go back to the beginning of time, in the beginning, God speaks and the known universe is created. Planets, solar systems, galaxies, the universe is born because God speaks. And when God speaks in you, something is born, something is released, something is produced that cannot be produced outside of God speaking into your life. So to understand this, God speaks. One of the questions I get a lot as a pastor is how does God speak? Pastor, I wanna hear God speak, but how does, how does God speak? And I would encourage you, we've done series in the past that we talk specifically about this and we don't have time to get into all of it today. Uh, there, we did a series a few years ago called The Voice, just how to hear the voice of God. Uh, that would be a good one to go back and listen to. Um, but, but basically speaking, there's a few ways we hear from God. There's a few ways we hear God speak. The first is this, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is uh, one of the parts of the Trinity. Uh, he is not an it. He is, a, he is a person in the Godhead, in the Trinity. And in John 16, 8, Jesus said this, when he, talking about the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. So what he says is this in John 16, 8, um, the Holy Spirit's gonna come and he's gonna convict. And we think of this as a negative word. But when he convicts us of sin, this, these are the moments when, have you ever... Um, have you ever felt like doing something you know you shouldn't do and you had this moment where you went, am I the only pagan in the room? <laughs> Thank you. We've all done that, right? Maybe, maybe you're driving a little too fast and we've got, I know we've got at least one state trooper in the room and you're driving a little too fast and you're, you're scanning because you want to make sure I don't want to get caught. I know I'm doing something wrong, right? Can... can that feeling you have, or maybe afterwards when, when you've done something you know you shouldn't, and you're like, why did I say that? Why did I, do, why did I click on that? Why did I, whatever it might be, that's the Holy Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit brings conviction in our lives to correct us, not to crush us. The enemy, he will condemn us to crush us. He's gonna say, see, you failed again. How could God ever love somebody like you? That's condemnation. That's not the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will go, no, 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 you can do better. You can do better. God loves, come on, keep going, keep trying. Come on, make the turn. Because that's, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts us of sin. So that voice we feel, that, that feeling we have in our gut, that's the Holy Spirit convicting us of sin. He also convicts us of righteousness. So not only does he say when we're doing something stupid, no, 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 don't do that, right? He also says, do this instead. Those moments where you can't explain it, where you're like, wow, I, I wanted to be nice to that person, right? Where did that come from? That's the Holy Spirit going, no, 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 this is the way you go. Do this instead. He's convicting us of righteousness. He's showing us the right way to go. And then finally, it says he convicts us as to judgment. And what he's talking about is the judgment that's going to fall on the world um, and what's gonna fall on us ultimately when we live in unrepentant sin, when we live a life that is contrary to the word of God and we, we live an unrepentant lifestyle that way where we just go, well, this is my life. There's nothing wrong with it. It feels good. That's unrepentant sin and there's gonna be judgment. So the Holy Spirit convicts us of those things. What we see is the Holy Spirit speaks to us though and and he's God's voice for us. We also see that the Bible is one of the ways God speaks to us. The word of God is, in my opinion, the inerrant, infallible, perfect word of God that is the foundation and basis for our living. And everything comes back to the Bible. That there is nothing that the Bible got wrong. There's nothing that we figured out better because we just know a little more now than they did then. Um, that if the Bible said it, that settles it. So the Bible is God's word for us. He speaks to us through the word of God. And the last thing I'll mention here is Jesus. God speaks to us through Jesus. Jesus actually said, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen God. That's what he tells his followers. Oh, you wanna see God? Well, guess what? If you've seen me, you've seen God. That's what he says. And, and what we know is that when we see Jesus, when we connect with Jesus, we see God in him. We see God work. We see the character and nature of God. In fact, what we see in Hebrews chapter one, verses one and two, as the writer of Hebrews said, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So he said, what used to happen, what we saw in Isaiah 55 just a moment ago, is that God would speak to the prophet and the prophet would dispense the word of God. He would tell people, here's what God has said, okay? But it says this in verse two, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So he said, used to, we needed prophets to tell us what God was saying, but he says, now because of Jesus, he speaks through Christ and we have a direct access to God because of Jesus Christ. So God speaks through Jesus to us. So no, no longer do we need an intermediary. I've got bad news for you. If you came thinking that you had to have me to hear the word of God, you don't need me to hear the word of God. God can speak to you without my help. But please come back to church. <laughs> God wants to speak directly to you. And one of the ways he does that is through his son, Jesus, by being in intimate relationship with him. So understand this, when we meet God, God speaks. When we meet God, dreams transform. I don't know about you, I had a dream for my life when I was a young man. When I was a little boy, I'm a, I'm, I'm a comic book nerd. Grew up on comic books and I had a dream. I wanted to be Superman so badly. And then I got a little older, a little more mature and I realized how implausible that was because Superman was an alien. He was born on Krypton. He derives his power from the yellow sun that we have on planet Earth. That doesn't make any sense at all. I'm not an alien. 
So that doesn't make sense. How could I possibly be Superman? And then I shifted and decided I'll be Batman instead. (laughs) He's just a normal guy. He's just very fit and athletic and he's fabulously wealthy. And so I thought, what is the best way to do that? I'll be a pastor. (laughs) So I guess you could call me the Batman of Indiana County. (laughs) I'm in fantastic shape and fabulously wealthy. I've got it all, right? Somewhere along the line, I decided I can't be Batman either. That dream died. But all of us have had real dreams for our lives. Some of us wanted to own our own business. Some of you wanted to be able to stay home with your kids. Some of you wanted a big family. Some of you thought, man, if we just had that house, whatever it is, you had a dream for your life. And Jacob was the same way. Jacob had a dream for his life. Jacob's dream was to be wealthy and powerful and influential. And Jacob's real dream was he wanted to be first. From, from the time he was born, he wanted to be first. In fact, what we see in the birth story of Jacob and Esau, his twin brother, was that Jacob was named Jacob because when Esau, his older twin brother, was born, Jacob was actually holding on to his heel. Jacob means supplanter. So they named him this because he was holding on to his brother's heel when he was born. It was almost as if he was trying to pull him back so Jacob could get the lead. From birth, he was trying to be first. What we see with Esau is he, he went to Esau and said, hey, give me your birthright. And he tricked him into giving him his birthright. The birthright rightfully belonged to the firstborn. He wanted to be the firstborn. He wanted the authority that came with that. He wanted the power that came with that. He went on to trick his father, Isaac, and he tricked his father into blessing him when the blessing rightfully belonged to his older brother. He wanted to be first. We see his dreams for his life, that, that they're all things that accompany being the firstborn. He wanted that. He longed for that. And what we see is his dream was he wanted to be great. And it's interesting because if you look at the promise that God gave for him, God's promise was, I'm gonna make you great. But the difference, and it's a subtle difference, the difference was who would be glorified from it. See, Jacob wanted to be great, so people would go, man, Jacob's great. Look at how powerful he is. Look how great he is. Look how strong he is. But God said, Jacob, I wanna make you great so people will see how great I am. So people would go, man, look at what God has done in Jacob. Look how great God is. Look how powerfully God has moved. And what happened is Jacob had to get to the point where he said, God, I'm gonna release my dreams to you. Even though there's so much overlap between our dreams, I'm not gonna try to make your dream conform to mine. I'm gonna release my dream to you and let you do with my dream what you will. And there's something powerful that happens when we understand that God transforms dreams when we meet him. That he's gonna take our dream and if we'll trust him with it, he's gonna transform it into something that he can use for his glory. And many times there's elements of our dreams that God is gonna bring into and and use as a catalyst for his dream. But we have to be willing to say, God, I trust you. God, I've wanted this my whole life, but God, if you wanna do something else, I'm gonna trust you with it. One of the core values here at Summit Church is uh, big faith. And we say, uh, our God is a big God and we're gonna pray big prayers and believe in big ways, and we're never going to insult him with small thinking or safe living. And the idea behind this is we want to dream big, bold, audacious dreams for the glory of God. And so we're going to have big dreams, and we're going to pray big prayers, and we're going to hold on to all those things very loosely. Because if God comes along and says, I've got something better for you, we're not going to be so married to what we wanted to do that we can't release it to God. So if God comes to us and says, hey, I know you wanted to do this, but if you'll trust me, I'm going to do something better. We're not going to go, no, no, we want to do this. We're doing this, God. 
We're gonna go, okay. All right, we trust you. We're gonna let it go. God, we really wanted to do this. We felt like this is the right thing. But if, if you're asking us to give up this dream, we're gonna trust you with it. And I think God wants every one of us to live this way. He wants all of us to trust him enough to say, God, even if you don't give me what I want, I believe what you give me is gonna be better than what I wanted. So God, I'm gonna trust you with my dreams. See, God didn't just want to make Jacob great. He wanted to use Jacob for God's glory. In Genesis 28, 14, if you go back to the original time that they have this interaction, in Genesis 28, 14, God gives them this promise and he says, in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. He said, Jacob, I don't wanna just bless you. I'm blessing you to be a blessing. I'm blessing you. I'm gonna make you great so that my name could be great through the whole world. Literally every family of planet earth is gonna be blessed through your family. What more could I possibly do? And God was doing that, not for Jacob. Jacob just got to be a part of it. God was doing it for his own glory. So what we see is this. When we meet with God, God speaks. When we meet with God, dreams transform. And the third thing and the final thing is this. When we meet God, names change. In Genesis 35, 10, it said, and God said to him, your name is Jacob. No longer shall you be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. Now, I said this earlier, Jacob, the name Jacob means supplanter, or it means heel grabber, literally speaking. What it means is con man. This is what he was known as, a con man, a crook, a thief, a liar. How many of you know, if you're picking baby names, liar probably shouldn't be at the top of your list. <laughs> oh, we're gonna name him Liar Massingale after his father, right? <laughs> like, that's probably not very flattering. That doesn't bode well for the future of the child. But this was Jacob's name. This is what people knew him as. People knew, man, if Jacob's around, you better hold on to your wallet because he's out to get it. He is selfish. He's after, after his own glory. And what God says in this moment in Genesis 35 is he says, hey, you know what, Jacob? Uh, that's not who you are anymore. That's what you've been called. But from now on, you're gonna be called Israel. And the name Israel means triumphant with God. And what we see throughout Scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament, Jesus changed some names in the New Testament. Um, God changed the Apostle Paul. His name was Saul. And he changed his name to Paul. What we see when these things happen, and we see a long history of this in Scripture, is that God renames people and he gives them a sacramental name. And their sacramental name is, is, is almost always tied to their destiny and their future. So what happens is he says, hey, here's what your name was, and your name was tied to your old identity, but I'm gonna change your name, and your new identity is gonna be tied to your destiny. Your new identity is gonna be tied to a promise. Your new identity is tied to uh, a covenant that I've got with you, a promise that I've got that you are going to do what I'm asking you to do, that you're gonna become what I'm asking you to become. See, maybe you've been the same way. Maybe you've got a name that you're ashamed of. Maybe your name is divorced. Maybe your name is failure. Maybe your name is some name that's been ascribed to you by somebody in your past. Worthless. Never be good enough. Accident. Whatever your name has been, this is what I know. When we meet God, He's in the habit of changing names. And what happens is he says, hey, I don't care what your name was. 
I'm gonna give you a new name. And your new name, your sacramental name is gonna be tied to your destiny. It's gonna be tied to a promise. And this is what would happen. The reason this name was important was because every time that person heard that name, their new name, their sacramental name, it was a reminder of what God was doing in their lives. So now the old name was gone. No longer am I Jacob, but now I'm Israel. I'm triumphant with God. And every time he would be called Israel, it would be a reminder. No, 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 I'm triumphant with God. That's who I am. That's my new identity. And their identity was tied to God's promise. The sacramental name was always, almost always absolute. So once someone got that name, it was a clear break and they had a new name from that point forward. But it's interesting. One of the things we see in this story is that wasn't the case with Jacob. This was actually the second time his name changed. We see it back in Genesis 32. There's this, this moment where Jacob is uh, laying by a stream and in the middle of the night, he begins wrestling with the angel of the Lord. And through the night they're wrestling, the daylight's about to come and the angel says, release me. He says, not till you bless me. And he says, what's your name? He says, I'm Jacob. And he said, no longer will you be called Jacob. You're gonna be called Israel because you wrestled with the Lord. You're triumphant with God. And then he touched him on the hip. And from that day forward, he walked differently because he had a problem with his hip. So his name was changed back in Genesis 32. But what we see is this. He continues to go by the name Jacob after that. He continues to be called Jacob. Scripture refers to him as Jacob even. And I think what happened in his story is what happens in our story so many times. So many times we meet God and God goes, hey, I know who you were, but that's not who you are anymore. From now on, I'm gonna give you this name. And in this case, it was Jacob. And he said, Jacob, you're not Jacob anymore. You're Israel. He goes, man, God, that's great. I'm so glad you see me that way. I'm so honored. But I, I know I'm Jacob. I know how I really am. I know I'm not really triumphant with God. I'm glad you see me that way, but come on, God, let's be honest. I'm just Jacob. And we do the same thing. God says, no, 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 you are not your sin. You are not your biggest failure. I've got a promise for you. I've got a, I've got a declaration for who you are. And we go, oh, that's great, God, that's great. But I know who I really am. And I would love to be, but I'm, that's not me. So thank you, but I'll just go by Jacob. And I want you to hear this. God doesn't see who you were. He sees who he's called you to be. He sees your new name. He sees your new identity. So stop living down to your old identity and embrace who God has called you to be. Embrace the new name he has given you. You don't have to be bitter. You don't have to be uh, someone who can't forgive. You don't have to be someone who can't love. You don't have to be a failure. You don't have to be, that's not who you are in Christ Jesus. He has given you a sacramental name and he's got a vision for you and a name that's attached to that. So walk in that name. When we meet God, God speaks, dreams transform. Will you trust God with your dreams? Names change. Will you walk in your new name and your new identity? But at the end of the day, it comes back to meeting God and being with God. In um, Exodus chapter 33, Moses, he would, uh, he would set up what was called the tent of meetings. And it was away from the camp of the Israelites. And when he would go to the tent of meetings to meet with God, uh, at that time, the, the children of Israel were led by a, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. It represented God's presence. 
And so when Moses would go into the tent of meetings, he would take Joshua with him, who was his right-hand man, and they would go into the tent. And then this cloud that represented the presence of God would descend. And it would literally guard the, the entrance. And, and what we see is Moses would talk with God one-on-one. And so the people of Israel knew that was like the giant do not disturb sign. Like, right, like we're not going over there. We're gonna give them some space. And what we see in Genesis 33, 11, it says this. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And when Moses turned again to the camp, so when Moses turned to go back to the camp, he was all done. It said his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from the tent. When the business was done, it was concluded, and, and Moses was like, all right, God, I think we're all through here. Thanks so much. And he would leave. Joshua, this young man, would say, no, don't make me go. Don't make me go. I just want to stay a little bit longer. Oh, I just want to be with God a little bit longer. Moses, five more minutes. Five more minutes. Come on, just, just let me stay here. And I'm telling you today, what God wants for us is for us to have a heart of Joshua. That we'll say, God, I just, God, I just want five more minutes in your presence. I just want to be with you a little longer. I just want to know you more intimately. That's all I want, God. God, give us that heart. I know this hasn't really been a Father's Day message. But dads, if I could tell you this, the most important thing you can do for your children is not save for their college fund. It's not get them on the right athletic team. It's not even prepare them academically. The most important thing you can do for your children is meet God. Say, I'm gonna spend time with God. I'm gonna get in his presence. I'm gonna spend five more minutes. God, just a few more minutes with you. The most important thing you can do for your kids is display what it looks like to meet God and to meet with God. When you do that, it's going to change your family. It's gonna transform your family if you will lead the way in that. So God, help us be people who'd say, five more minutes. God, just give me five more minutes with you. That's what I want. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you so much. God, I ask today, you give us the heart of Joshua, that we wouldn't be satisfied just going through religious motions, but God, give us a heart for you that would say five more minutes. Not yet, I'm not ready. I just wanna spend a little more time with you, God. Give us that desire. God, help us learn how good it is to meet with you and to be with you and spend time in your presence. So God, minister in our hearts. Lord, I pray, God, you would help us hear your voice clearly. Lord, when you speak, I pray that it would produce life in us. God, I pray that, Lord, we would hold on to our dreams loosely. That, God, we would let you redeem our dreams for your glory. And, God, if, if we lay something down, help us understand we're going to pick up something that's even better if we trust you. God, I pray that you would help us stop going back to our old names and our old lives. Help us to live up to the name that you have assigned us. Help us to remember who you've called us to be, who you've invited us to be. And I pray that we would stop settling for anything less than that. So God, remind us of our identity in you. 
God, have your way with us over these next few minutes. Lord, I pray for those that don't know you, that have never met you. Let today be the day they surrender everything to you. What a great day to honor you as our heavenly father by coming to you and surrendering our lives. So Lord, let today be the day that some of us in this room, some of us watching online meet you. So God, have your way with us. Now with your head bowed and your eyes closed, nobody's looking around. I just wanna ask if you're here today and you'd say to me, no, I'm not really walking with God. I'm not in relationship with Jesus, but I know I need to be. And today I just wanna surrender my life. I wanna, I wanna meet God and make him Lord of all. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna make you come forward. I just wanna pray with you where you are. So if you're here today and you'd say, Mel, include me in that prayer. I wanna make Jesus Lord of my life today. Would you be bold enough just to slip your hand up real high where I can see it and you can put it right back down. Is there anyone you'd say, Mel, pray for me. Today is my day. I wanna make Jesus Lord of all. I wanna meet God. All right. If you're watching online and maybe you feel like the Holy Spirit's speaking to you today, and, and you know, today is my day. I wanna make Jesus Lord of my life. I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with all of us here in, in Indiana. We're gonna pray this prayer together and we're asking you to pray this with us online as well. So I'd like everybody in the room to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me and thank you for giving Jesus to pay the price for my sins on the cross. From now on, my life is yours. Speak to me and use me for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we give God a round of applause today? <clears throat> Guys, thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Usually at the end of a worship experience like this one, um, we'll have our prayer team here at the front of the room and we're not doing that for the time being. Uh, we're gonna ab abide by some of the guidelines, uh, but I want you to know we haven't stopped praying. So if you need prayer for any reason at all, there's a couple things you can do. The first is you can email your prayer need to prayer at summitpa.church. Let us know about your prayer need. If you're watching online uh, and you're on one of our online platforms, hit the prayer button, a live prayer. They're gonna pray with you right there on the spot. Um, but we're gonna be praying with you and agreeing with you about your prayer needs. If you responded today for salvation, uh, the simplest thing for you to do is simply text the word different to the number 94000. And we're gonna respond back to you. We're gonna help you take the next step there and help you be, begin to grow in your faith. But just know we are here for you guys. We can't wait to see what God's gonna do. So thank you for worshiping with us today. Uh, guys, I tell you often, I hope you know, I love you more than you know, and I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. Thank you so much for being here, guys. God bless you.